Well, if you would, why don't you uh, open your Bibles to the book of James. We're going to start in the book of James, and we're going to end in 1st and 2nd Kings. Well, I want to read uh, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 17, and just point out a couple things there. James 5, 13 through 17. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, or the prayer of faith, will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly, or he prayed with prayer, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Well, I just want to point out four things here um, briefly. The first thing in here, and there's obviously a lot in these verses, but the first thing is the necessity of prayer. In verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Prayer is a necessity. The other thing is the effectiveness of prayer. In verse 15, this is amazing. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick. Do you see the the power there attached with prayer itself? The prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. So by prayer, we're restored. By prayer, we're raised. By prayer, uh, forgiveness is given. And then there's the exhortation to pray in verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So the necessity of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer, the exhortation to pray. And then the last thing that we're going to focus on tonight is the example of prayer in Elijah, the effective prayer of a righteous man. And the first thing I want to say about Elijah is just that, that Elijah was not just a man. He wasn't just some random man. He was a righteous man. And the book of First Kings mentions that he was very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. And some of these things are really kind of difficult to talk about, especially in our culture, because they can be misunderstood. But when we talk about Elijah and his zeal for the Lord, it was a terrible it was a terrible thing. Because, um, I mean, Elijah 
He killed men who hated God. And we'll talk about that. I mean, he he slew false prophets. He was zealous for the Lord. He was a man who who saw the power of God displayed. And you don't have to turn there right now, but in 1 Kings 17, we're familiar with with this. But it's, I mean, it's striking. You know, the Lord commands a widow to provide for him, a widow who has nothing. He commands a widow to provide for Elijah during the famine that Elijah prayed <laughs> to come. And God provides for Elijah and the widow and the widow's house, it says, for many days with a pitcher of flour and a jar of oil. So you have day after day, Elijah is living with a real tangible manifestation of the supernatural power of God and his daily provision. Later on, um, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah prays to God and he raises a boy from the dead. Um, we find that Elijah, in his zeal for the Lord, he ends up going against about 850 false prophets and he prays to the Lord and the Lord sends fire down from heaven that consumes the sacrifice, that fire that burns up stones, that drinks up water. I'm going to turn to that section actually in 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read starting at verse 36 in 1 Kings 18 just to get a sense here of this section. 1 Kings 18, verse 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. He is imploring the Lord that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slew them there. Um, So he was zealous for the Lord. He saw the supernatural power of God displayed. Um, we'll, We'll get to this in a minute. In another passage, he calls down fire from heaven, and a hundred men are killed. Maybe the, the best illustration of the fact that Elijah was not just a man was the fact that he never died. Uh, the Lord spared him from that. The Lord supernaturally took him from the earth so that he didn't see death. So well, the first point, Elijah was not just a man. He, he was a righteous man. It says the hand of the Lord in a place there, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And we know in another place, that the voice of God audibly spoke to him. So Elijah was not just a man, but the second point that we have to make is that Elijah was just a man. 
And we know that from James. Here we just read it. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And that's what makes it so encouraging about this section in prayer. If we're just left with the supernatural here in Elijah, it's kind of discouraging. But we're met with a man uh, who sought the Lord. Um, a good illustration of the humanity of Elijah is actually in 1 Kings 19, if you just flip the page there. What happens to Elijah after he prays to the Lord, fire comes down, I mean, he, he does away with all these false prophets? What happens after that? Well, the first thing that happens is that the king of Israel tells his wife, Jezebel, what Elijah had done, and that he'd killed um, the prophets. And it says that Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more so, even more, if I do not take your life as the life of one of them by morning about this time. So she's saying, You have 24 hours to live. I'm going to kill you. And what does it say? What's his response? This is Elijah, and he was afraid and ran for his life. So he was afraid, but it, it's actually more than afraid, we'll see. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life. For I am not better than my father's. He was afraid and he became depressed. More than that, he became actually despondent. I mean, he was, he was suicidal. He wanted to die. He viewed himself as worthless. He was a coward. Um, Elijah was just a man. In another place, in Second Kings uh, chapter 1, I'm going to kind of put the context in here because we don't have time to read the whole passage here. But in 2 Kings chapter 1, there's a king here, um, the king of Israel, uh, Azahiah. He had injured himself. He fell through the lattice in his room. And the king sent messengers to require of one of their false gods, um, Beelzebub, whether or not he would live, whether or not the king would live. Well, the angel of the Lord comes to Elijah and tells Elijah to go and meet the king's messengers. And, and, and Elijah says to the king's messengers, because you do not think that there's a God in Israel, but inquire after a false God, because of that, you're going to die. So the king hears about this message and sends messengers back to Elijah. Maybe we can pick up in verse 9 of Second Kings chapter 1. Then the king sent to him, that's Elijah, a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he was sitting on the top of the hill. And he said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. Elijah replied to the captain of fifty, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. So he again sent to him another captain of fifty with his fifty, and he said to him, O man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. Elijah replied to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. 
Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. So he again sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. Then the third captain of fifty went up, or when the third captain of fifty went up, he came and bowed down on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said to him, O man of God, please let my life and the lives of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of fifty and their fifties, but now let my life be precious in your sight. I don't think there's any doubt that the power of God was clearly displayed there. And you have this this captain who is on his knees with fifty men behind him, begging for his life. And the next verse here, I think, is very striking because we can romanticize Elijah. What does the verse, next verse say, verse 15? The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. <laughs> so <laughs> he says, don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid of the captain. Okay? So what's the implication here? The whole time that Elijah is boasting in the Lord, calling down fire from heaven, he's afraid because he's just a man. The last thing I'll mention here is a, as an illustration of Elijah's humanity is the fact that the, the, the person who is the closest to Elijah knew that Elijah was just a man. <clears throat> and we see that clearly uh, in Second Kings chapter 2 when it's about time for Elijah to be taken up into heaven when Elijah is talking with Elisha. And three times Elisha says to, to Elijah, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And you can just, you can feel you know, the love that Elisha has for Elijah. And I'm going to read here a section starting in verse 9 of Second Kings 2. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken up from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters, and he said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He doesn't say, Where is Elijah? Where has Elijah gone? Elisha knew that the power there was of the Lord. you know. And, and when he cried out here, asking um, Elijah for a double portion of, of his spirit, I think 
it's self-evident here that what he was asking for was the spirit of the Lord, you know, to be poured out on him. So even those closest to um, to Elijah knew that he was just a man. So how do we kind of reconcile Elijah? <clears throat> Clearly he was just a man. He was weak. And I think based upon the things we've looked at, we would say he's he's disappointing in terms of, of his human value. But the power of God was clearly displayed through him. I mean, he was the one that called down fire from heaven. He called down fire from heaven. The Lord answered this man when he spoke. And I think the answer here to this seeming contradiction is what we know about in James, and that is that he prayed earnestly. This weak fearful man prayed with prayer that it would not rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years now my thought is boy i'd really like to know what that prayer sounded like just as an example i need some help well the thing is do you know first kings doesn't even mention that prayer it's not recorded i doubt it was anything we would read and find to be significant but from the heart, he was, he, was, uh, he was seeking the Lord earnestly. He prayed to the Lord. The Lord answered him with his word. And he trusted the word of the Lord so much that the word of the Lord became his word. He became identified with the word of the Lord given to him. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. That's what Elijah is saying, except by my word. In another place, it says the word of the Lord came to him, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He was completely bound by the word of the Lord. You see, the Christian is just like Elijah. You and I are just men and women and children. We're disappointing at best of ourselves. We're weak. But the Christian is righteous because... He or she is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is perfectly zealous for holiness. Jesus Christ, who is the power of God to salvation. Jesus, who raises men to eternal life. Who sends his spirit like fire from heaven to feed his church. By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And that's, that's what Elijah was doing. He was boasting in the Lord. He said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. So we see here that the effective prayer of a righteous man <clears throat> can accomplish much. Oh, I thought I thought this was very encouraging, um, and I think if we just focus on what James has to say about Elijah, it's easy 
to read some of these words half-heartedly. Well, I know Elijah was a man just like me, but look at all these wonderful things. Look at how the power of God was displayed. The bottom line is he really was just a man, just like any other man. But it was the Lord that worked in him. And um, praise the Lord for the righteousness of Jesus Christ, for for the effectiveness of, of his death, and for his daily intercession for us. Amen.